I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to 2 Deep Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, summer's almost over. Haven't talked to you much uh, with regard to podcasting. We've, we've had a few conversations, but I'm excited for tonight, man, because the season's right around the corner. We're going to kind of pop the cherry on our summer news here. we got a lot to update the fans on. How are you feeling? I feel good. We're back. It's been a while. It, so, has, it um, has. We took our break this summer, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was an enjoyable break, that's for sure. Had a, had a lot going on and in, uh, in other aspects of our, our lives, but uh, things are good. My my daughter has been using my microphone more than I have. She likes to sing into <laughs> it with the headphones on, so there is a five-year-old um, probably spit and stuff all over my uh, microphone more so than uh, you know my use. It's all her now these days, so I'm I'm glad to be back and I'm ready to go. Sounds great, man. Give us the cheers. Well, I think it's just to that. And thanks to all of the the fans. It's been a little while. We had uh, a lot going on in the, the summer, job-wise. Uh, for me, a bunch of things moving around. And uh, I'm sure you had plenty during the summer, a few trips. And I know you just got back from Dewey uh, just recently. So, <laughs> That's right. Uh, amongst other places. I just recovered. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm heading to Disney World next week. So, um, But anyway, nice. thanks, thanks for being patient with us but we're locked and loaded and ready to go for another season so cheers to um cheers to the Hokies and uh whether you're a listener or, or you and me here's to the 2022 season man yep so probably the largest landscape shifting thing that happened this summer was the conference realignment talk and some of the agreements that were made obviously USC and UCLA agreeing to go to the Big Ten and that sent big shockwaves through through all of college football and left people scrambling, wondering what's going to happen to them, their conference, if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC. And so the ACC's kind of got caught a little with their pants down. And the response from the commissioner or the various ADs and the teams, it's all very boilerplate, but it's leaving me a little concerned about the future of the ACC and our ability to compete monetarily. Yeah, the the money is no bueno, that's for, for sure. Because if you listen to a lot of the national talking heads and their perspectives on where this is going, it's basically you could take it to the, the schools are going to be paying players probably in the next like six years. You give or take somewhere five to six years. Like a salary, rather yes. not just NIL money, like actual money, yes. Correct. Um, so 
Today, it's it sucks, right? Because of what's happening with NIL. Down the road, those TV checks, that money that is going into the school is actually going to start to really have an impact on, on the programs. And you may see it through things like, if you have to pay your players, what do you do with the other sports teams and things like that? How, you know, having that much money allows you to keep other athletics alive if you actually have to pay players and things like that. So that that is what I'm worried about. It's not even so much today, even though it is very lopsided and seeing what Texas A&M is doing and Ohio State's doing and what these schools are doing with NIL dollars. It's really what are things going to look like four to six years from now when more than likely, as long as they can get um, – you know, through, you know, a lot of the um, collective kind of bargaining issues that are associated with it and some of the antitrust issues that are associated with it, then it looks like the schools are going to end up being, you know, having employees, which would be the football players. Yeah, it, the, the ramifications, I, no one's really fully understands what's going to happen quite yet. And we're all, all the schools, all the conferences are still dealing with this finding an equilibrium between how much do you pay a quarterback? How much can we afford to pay a quarterback via NIL or otherwise? And everything's kind of a little out of whack. He saw like Arch Manning's get in $8 million or something crazy. Um, that kind of stuff I don't think is sustainable and like the market will kind of find its way. But yeah, Texas and Texas A&M, I put out a tweet uh, yesterday about how like you can tell oil's up because both of those recruiting classes were through the roof last year um, and kind of unwarranted for success on the field, right? Like you could tell it was less like new money just plunged into getting these recruits uh, to those two Texas schools. But it's a concern. And I don't know where the ACC is going to fall. We heard that thing about, oh, the Pac-12 and the ACC might play a championship game in Vegas. It's like, (laughs) and that was kind of quickly shut down, but it was just an example of like, that's that's terrible. We got to come up with something better than that. If you want to like, make the Pac-12 join the ACC and have a West and an East and like renegotiate the TV dollars. Okay. I can get behind something there, but I don't want to play a championship game against the Pac-12. Who cares about that? Uh, But there was a lot of that kind of stuff coming out for a couple of weeks. It's settled down now and I'm happy because we're getting closer to the season. And rather than think about all the BS coming down the line, we get to just focus on football and the season that's coming. And one of the things that's going to be coming in the next two years is the new ACC schedule. We're getting rid of the divisions as something we've always kind of wanted. And we got our new locked in opponents for the next couple of years, as long as the ACC exists as it does. And that's Pitt and Wake Forest uh, in addition to UVA. So we have every team gets three teams. I'm sure you guys all know this by now, but ours are Pitt, Wake, and UVA. Some people were kind of mad about the Wake pick would rather have Miami. And obviously I think we'd all rather play Miami. However, on a historical basis, Wake's a better opponent to play if you're looking for wins, right? Yes. And right now, no, it's not. But yes, historically, <laughs> over a long, long enough period of time. Um, and if, if Virginia Tech had sustained the success that we had, right, the last five years, six years have not been good, right? If we roll it back before that and we were operating the way we were for – you know, kind of a decade and a half really prior to that, I think we probably could have gotten Miami um, because that cachet, they have the cachet because it's Miami, right? They have the reputation. It's obviously not on the field stuff, right? That, that, right? That's not what it is, but it's the cachet that just exists. We would have it from the football standpoint. 
we lost it at a really kind of bad time, right? <clears throat> not not to have that and not be. So it would have been great. I like the Miami <clears throat> games and the rivalry, but when they were looking at it, I think, you know, Wake's, Wake's not a, a bad draw from a wins and losses standpoint. It's probably a good draw given the amount of money flowing into Miami right now, and it looks like they're starting to get their stuff together. And from a fan traveling perspective, from and when I mean that, I mean tech fans going to Winston-Salem, like, that will be great. Because even when it's an away game, it's going to be kind of a home game down, down there because we will travel so well because it's only a few hours from tech. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a little disappointing, but I think we people have all hashed that out, whether they love it or hate it or whatever. I'm just happy we're getting rid of the divisions and that the teams, all of the teams, will be rotating through Blacksburg more often under this new model rather than playing Louisville once in seven years and Clemson hardly at all. Like this will be cool. Yeah. I think that's huge. It's something that you and I have, we've complained about since the beginning of the podcast. You know, this is, you know, it's been seven years or eight years of us, you know, you know, bitching about that, having never having Clemson come to, to Lane stadium or, or having a reason to travel to death Valley Valley and see it. So um, the other thing that I think is a real positive is, People quickly dismiss the fact that it wasn't Boston College. You know, everybody's just like, yes. oh, yeah. So you should all be relieved. Yeah. It's not BC. The, as soon, there was so much uh, people just took for granted that it was going to be BC. We were going to get screwed over. It was going to, you know, nobody really likes that matchup. And then when they looked at the matchups, they immediately looked for like the next, next thing to bitch about. But nobody really went back to the fact that, hey, it wasn't BC. And, you know, we're pretty. Everybody that I know is pretty excited about that. Yes. Now, we're going to get more into Virginia Tech's preseason polls um, for the ACC, fall camp notes. We're going to do all that. First, just a couple news and notes. And I wanted to touch on the coaches poll. It came out. Everyone knows we don't love the coaches poll, but it's all we have right now. And when it comes out, we will discuss it. Bama's number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia, last year's champs, number three. Clemson four, Notre Dame five, but there were a bunch of AC school, ACC schools in the top 25 besides Clemson. We had NC State at 13, Pitt at 16, Miami at 17, and then Wake at 19. Um, the Wake at 19, I'm wondering when the AP poll comes out if that will be different because of what happened with Hartman. Today we heard Sam Hartman, the quarterback of Wake, is out indefinitely with some kind of non-COVID illness. It sounded like a heart issue based on, I don't want to speculate too much, but like he wasn't feeling good after practice and all of a sudden he's out indefinitely. He was at practice today, but that will knock Wake down a little bit if he cannot play. Um, UNC was in the receiving votes. Louisville was in the receiving votes way down there, but there were no votes for Virginia Tech. That is disappointing, I guess, and kind of shows you where we're at right now. Yeah. Texas got a number one overall vote and Virginia Tech couldn't even get a vote. To, to, that so. is so silly. Yeah. That is so, who's voting Texas number one? I don't know. That, that's the same person that voted Georgia Tech number one in the ACC Coastal. Yes, that is exactly the same person. Um, I think it was, we'll see. The AP poll is what we really care about and what actually matters when it all, the coach's poll is kind of a, a little bit of a joke. But I, uh, that's a pretty good representation from the ACC in comparison to what we've seen on the field over the last few Absolutely. years. So um, I think I think it was – and a lot of those are, I think, warranted. In fact, 
You could make an argument before the Hartman news. You could make an argument that Wake Forest should have been ranked higher than that. They're bringing a ton of talent back. Oh, you yeah. could have made NC State is bringing a ton of talent back, but I think you know they're already kind of you know pretty far up there. But maybe they could have crept up even a little bit uh, lower on that poll. So uh, I think I think it's it's pretty good representation for the ACC, and hopefully uh, we'll see some some play on the field to to show it, just not against us. Now, if Hartman ends up playing, and this was what the projection was, is that every Atlantic team in the ACC is bringing back their starting quarterback. I know Georgia Tech had a guy that sat out some games, but basically every team has a starter at the QB position back in the Atlantic, and a lot of teams do in the Coastal too. It is probably the best quarterback conference uh, top to bottom. Now, I know C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are are much better. You got Will Levis down in the SEC and um, as well. But top to bottom, there are so many solid quarterbacks in the ACC, guys that will be drafted in the NFL. So that's exciting. And if there's ever a time for the ACC to have a good season out of conference, it is now. <laughs> we need to start looking good so we can, you know, position ourselves better for the future. Yeah, it seemed like everybody and and then some chose this off season to put together the ACC against, uh, against out of conference opponents stats and they are bad. And yes. I did. They weren't, I was looking at it. It's not massaged data. It was just like pretty raw periods of time that would mm-hmm. come naturally. And I was like, damn, that, that doesn't look good. Yeah. We've had about like two or three really good seasons out of conference in the past 12 years. Yes. One of which was, 2007 when tech finished number one of the computer rankings after the title games which i which i also tweeted out this week that was the crazy year where every team lost twice but the acc was strong uva was good there was a handful of other teams that were good enough so that our computer ranking was literally number one with two losses um but those years are rare few (laughs) and far between lately for the acc playing well at a conference the next news and note i had was pete morris is no longer our strategic communications head it is now travis wells i think that'll probably make a lot of people happy i saw travis get a lot of congratulations on twitter last night uh when the the news came out but uh no more tweets from pete morris it's kind of a kind of a changing of the guard here robbie i i'm gonna kind of miss it a little bit i think (laughs) it was the only time we were all unified yes and it was it was the only time where you didn't have to look you didn't have to look hard to be a jerk and find something wrong in a tweet. You could just like glance at it and you're like, no, that's wrong. Yeah, there's just hundred percent. No, that, that, that guy's name is spelled wrong. That's like, that's one of our starters. <laughs> like, right. Right. Or, I'm just glad because I every now and again, someone would confuse a tweet that I put out that it's coming from Pete Morris yeah. and I would get like lambasted and I'd have no idea why people are just like, you know, quote tweeting me and talking all this crap. I'm like, what did I do? And I'm like, realize later they think I'm Pete Morris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it, yeah, they, there were just so many good. It's like, yeah, I don't know. You, you tried to tag so-and-so, but you accidentally tagged like a, a South Texas chicken factory or something right, like that. Right, was, right. <laughs> there was, there was misspellings. And listen, like I, I'm constantly messing up my tweets. Like, yeah. so I, I feel Pete's pain to a degree, but he, he could not escape the criticism, and um, in some ways, it's probably a little fortunate for him. He can hopefully yes. move on and find work somewhere else. Um, portal news. I wanted to just update people on what happened kind of since spring and whatnot. 
uh, Jared Gibble, he left the program. He was a tight end. Jalen Brunson, running back, left. Marco Lee left. That was These are all late April, right after spring practice. Uh, Sims, the wide receiver. Bryce Goodner. Nadir Thompson. It's kind of sad. I, I mm-hmm. always thought Nadir would kind of catch on at some point. Um, one of our more recent guys, Reed Pulliam, he, he left in June. And then the one that was very disappointing was Rashad Purnell. He was the kid from Highland Springs. And he's actually going to be playing for Liberty. At at least I saw him in a Liberty uniform on Twitter a couple nights ago. So I guess that's his new destination. I'm not clear on why he left the program. He just signed in yeah. February. So like, or December. It, it He just got to VT. He hasn't even played a year yet. So mm-hmm. something went haywire. He just didn't like the new coaching staff. I don't know. But he is gone and he's he's at Liberty now. But I think we needed to get scholarships down anyway. None of those guys are really moving the needle. Um, We already lost the guys that are moving the needle. Like we lost Tavion to Kentucky, which sucks. Um, And some other guys, Burmeister and whatnot. But like none of these guys are going to make or break the team, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's unfortunate, but I think the scholarships are more important with all the names that you, and you know, probably the only guy on there that we really talked much about, well, maybe Nadir a little bit, but um, was maybe Marco Lee. We talked a little bit, yeah. but that room, that room is so, so full. Um, I think it just need needed to be, you know, kind of cut back anyway. So uh, overall wish them the best, best, but I don't think there's anything in there that uh, is too impactful. And I think the scholarships are probably more meaningful at this point. Yeah. So let's move on to recruiting. The 2023 recruiting class is up to 18 commitments. They're kind of coming in fast and furious. There was a stretch at the end of June into early July where I think we got six inside of a week. It was absolutely crazy. Um, And that didn't even count uh, Length Ganim, the highest recruit in the class. He committed on 6'11". He's an offensive lineman from West Virginia. I believe he was the number one recruit out of West Virginia. He was. And that was an exciting commitment. And then just recently at ACC Media Days, we had the famous Pry, we just got better, guys, uh, which I actually put in our new intro about Cameron Fleming, the cornerback from Richmond. That was a huge commitment. Yeah, the uh, defensive and uh, he's a three-star from Canada. So, uh, oh, sorry, no, that was a different, sorry. I was thinking of um, later. I was already jumping ahead of you. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, we a couple nights ago we got another six foot four defensive end. I had just been talking about all the defensive ends that we have from the last recruiting class that are six three and six four, and then we just got another one, and he is from Canada, and not he's I think he's the lowest recruit in the class. Maybe that'll pop up because he's out of the country and people don't know about him. But I thought that was interesting. But besides Fleming, we got. Asen Stevens, and he was a linebacker from Indianapolis, and he's the third highest recruit in the class. But we are still waiting on a four-star. There's a kid, there's a quarterback committing this Friday who's choosing between Mississippi State, us, a couple other schools. Um, We'll see. We're still waiting on a first four-star, but I think the groundwork and the quality of these kids is is still pretty high. A lot of them are higher-end three-stars. The offensive linemen who aren't recruited high were recruited by Joe Rudolph. There's some mm-hmm. faith there that mm-hmm. those kids can be developed if that guy likes them. So I've, I've been pleased with the class, but everyone's asking where are the high-profile guys. Yeah, I ran, in, ran into some of the numbers on that, and, and I was digging in. So, yeah, 18, 18 three-stars. The only other teams ranked in the top 40, at least on 24-7 sports, without a four-star commitment are Duke and Purdue. 
So it's us, Duke, and Purdue that don't have a, a four-star commitment um, that are in the top 40 overall ranked. Uh, the other is, the other weird thing, and there, a lot of them have started coming in from Virginia, but if you look through the Virginia rankings of the players that are coming to us, the, the highest is Fleming. He's 16th in the state of Virginia, I believe. But everybody above that, one through 15, four of those are going to Penn State, uh, interestingly, yeah. um, which is including the top two players in the state are going there. So we're crushing the mid-level of the state. It's But now it's time to really kind of buck up and start to grab and keep. I mean, the top to not have one of the top 15 right now, and it doesn't most of those guys are committed. I think there's only two people that are left to, to commit, two or three, um, in the state of Virginia. So they're staying home. It's just what caliber are we going to be getting to stay home, you know, over over the near to mid and long term? We know who we have to blame for that. Our head coach, <laughs> yes. right? He's yes. the one that laid the groundwork for all those kids yep. to end up at Penn State. And I think we talked about it before. He's not the type to like go in and be like, hey, I'm coaching at this new school now. Yep. You should come here. Like he's not going to steal kids from James Franklin. And that's why we may not see the returns from the high-end Virginia kids until 2024, 2025, and so forth. Yep. Um, I'm hoping we'll nab a couple four-stars, but it is nice to see nine kids from Virginia out of those 18, yep. right? Yep. Including Braylon Johnson, Lauren Johnson's son, another Highland Springs kid. And since we lost Purnell – it's really nice to pick up Braylon Johnson. He's a safety. And I mean, it, it's, you, we need those pipelines. We need that Highland Springs pipeline. And so I'm, I'm excited about the progress that's already been made. I know Fuente's staff was making strides at the end. And that's the only reason last year's recruiting class was anywhere near decent because they had put in some work and Pry could kind of finish strong with that class. Now he had to start laying this groundwork with all these Virginia kids. And remember the quote from, I think it was spring or February. He was like, there's a lot of high profile kids from the state that they don't even, we haven't even talked to them yet. Like no one from the previous staff even talked to them. And like, you could tell he was pissed when he was talking about it. And so he started with one hand tied behind his back in some ways for 2023. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And it, it's going to take time. I think it's moving in the right direction and it's going to take a lot of work, but it's obvious that it's being put in, whether you watch social media, the tweets, all, all that kind of stuff. Even I was looking at, um, I got an email from Virginia Tech right before we started recording. I don't know if you saw that, that came over and um, it was an Our State poster that has- Yes, I saw it. Yeah, that they've been putting out. Um, there's different posters for- like Hampton Roads, like, you know, the Northern Virginia area, they have like kind of different posters for people to, to download and keep. Yeah. One for central Virginia that you can download. Um, and it has the backgrounds are all different showing those areas. I don't know if you noticed that. So yeah, there's like a beach one. Yeah. So I didn't see all of them, but I did notice the, uh, the one of them. Yeah. So that's the Norfolk one kind of down on the beach and then it's blurred out, but then there's a Northern Virginia one that's going to roll out and then like a Southwest uh, Virginia one. So it's a pretty cool campaign on, on that front. Is the the Northern Virginia one like in front of spider Kelly's or something? Yes. Well, it's blurred out. I guess they're releasing them like every couple of weeks. It's like a release thing. So 
Um, they just have Central Virginia and Hampton Roads right now. But Northern Virginia is going to be right in front of um, Spider Kelly's. Yes, uh, it'll be. Uh, where where do like the twenty somethings go for the VT games in in Nova and Arlington now? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Um, I, I, I couldn't even, I, who knows? The I mean, bar, remember when the, the bars change open, every like, they like two would have years parties, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't yes. been down for a game in VA in a while, but the goat had things before that hard times was a big place to go. Um, mm-hmm. spider Kelly's I know would at times show games. There used to be that place, a town that would show games. I'm just yes. wondering what the destination is now, if there is one. There's got to be, right? I watched the Virginia Tech-Alabama game at uh, A-Town. Uh, yes, back I think I was there for so, that one, too. Yeah. Um, all right, some other news. Cole Beck, back with the team. That was something that uh, a lot of people were excited about. He's got that top-end speed. Uh, Stu Holt's been talking about it. Other people have been talking about it. They're calling him White Lightning practice, <laughs> which is something that is just hilarious and fantastic. Yeah. Um, working with the wide receivers – and the kick returners, what it looks like right now. Pry had some commentary on him that he was trying to gauge his commitment level and basically came out on the other side of that being like, this kid is working. Like, he really wants to play football and and play well. So that's encouraging. I think it's just cool. Like, everyone sees that that 10.1 speed that he has, and yes. it's just so enticing. Like, can we just get that guy a deep ball? Yeah, just please just lay it out there and, and let him go get it. So, mm-hmm. um, but it is cool that he's back. It sounds like he, yeah, like you said, is committed. And uh, and uh, we got an awesome nickname to boot, so that's that's even better. <laughs> you know, was, I put out a tweet on our Too Deep account asking people to give us their choices for beers of the 2022 season. Like, what do you want the official beer to be of the 2022 season? And one of the reasons that popped in my head, and because and I, I want silly reasons why people want to do this. Um, and we're still waiting. Like, we got a, we got a nomination, but we need we need you guys to tweet us your pictures of your beer to the 2Deep account. Tell us why it should be the official Hokies beer of the 2022 season. And one of my thoughts was, you've heard of Beck's beer, right? Yes. Like a cold Bex, cold Beck, cold Bex, cold Beck. Nice play on like words. That, to I me, like, like that's a perfect reason it should be the 2022 Hokies beer of the year. <laughs> I like it. That, that, that's. But I, like I want it. stupid reasons like that. Tweet us your beers, please. Um, next up, a little bit of sad news. Phil Darius Payne, the transfer from Nebraska, injured his Achilles. He is likely out for all of 2022, and that's a shame. He was going to provide depth as an outside rusher, whether it be on the line or a linebacker. And so that hurts our depth a little bit, but based on what I'm hearing out of camp, uh, we might be okay depth-wise on the defensive line. Preseason poll. Let's get into this ACC poll real quick. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it happened over a month ago, but Miami, they're back again, Robbie. Did you know? (laughs) Ah, another year, another Miami being back. That's just – it's like – Texas and Miami, you can't kill them. You need right. it's just it's just it's an impossible impossible thing. So, um, but you know, this time they're back and they have money money to go with it. I guess is the best way to best and a good coach. I, I do yeah. believe Krista Ball is probably the best coach they've had, um, in, in a long time. I mean, they they're, they've had so many coaches since Larry Coker. Um, he he's a good coach and he did well, very well at Oregon, and. Yep. Now he's at his his alma mater, right? He went to Miami, and now he's back. And like you said, they're armed with these coffers of money, and we'll see. Again, people are trying to figure out how much do they pay their second-string wide receiver in NIL money, 
And we're, we're kind of going through some of that right now. And fortunately for us, I think that we, between Commonwealth and Triumph and all these things popping up, the Virginia NIL money is, can be robust just based on Northern Virginia money, Richmond money. It, it's there. Um, it's not going to be top five, but it, I think it can be competitive, but we know Miami's bringing that Pitt was picked number two in the coastal. Then you had UNC UVA and us at number five. I thought we were going to come in number four. Um, but UNC and UVA, you can make cases why they will definitely be worse than us. But yeah. I, quite frankly, nobody – the Coastal is so unpredictable. And VT at plus 1,000 to me is, like, kind of crazy. Like, no – I that I don't know if that's current, but when I looked it up last time, it was plus 1,000. So yeah. you're giving me 10 to 1 odds in the crazy Coastal with four new coaches. Like, no one knows how this crap is going to go, man. No, I don't think anybody has any – any clue? I, no doubt, Pry has a lot of work to do, and who knows what we're going to end up putting out on the field. But to your point, who knows what any of those teams are going to be like? You know, out on the out on the field. So, uh, including including Miami. So, tend to. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah, in those odds, just from a value from, play. I know, yeah. I know, we're biased, but like Pitt, new quarterback, new OC. Miami, new head coach. UNC, old fart head coach, new quarterback. UVA, new head coach. Georgia Tech, horrible head coach, no talent, lost their best player to Alabama. Duke, complete rebuild. While they do have a good staff and are recruiting well for Duke, they're they're years away. Yeah. So this is this division could go completely wacky. And yeah. so why wouldn't you take a, a ten to one shot on a team that's bringing back a very good starting team? Yes. Now the the depth is where we're going to have trouble and we'll talk a little bit about that, but you want to go through our starters. They can play. Yeah. And that's what I meant. I, I didn't mean that like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go throw a bet on that if it was, but from a value standpoint, I think that's given, I mean, it's the coastal, you know, we've had, we had seven teams win in seven years. I mean, right. it's, it's <laughs> the coastal has been unprecedented in its ability to just be like, what the hell? It's going on here, and nobody expected that. So, and if you want to go with like the stock metaphor, buy when people are selling. This is our lowest starting poll number in the history of being in the ACC Coastal at fifth. We've never been fifth. So, like, take a shot on the Hokies, man. Let's yeah. let's let's see what happens. I'll I'll lay down that bet. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the camp notes after we take a beer break. Right. Robbie, what are you drinking? I'm sticking with my tried and true Sam Adams, just the haze, non-alcoholic uh, beer. I I got some good non-alcoholics that I'm going to bring out into the podcast this year. The um, I know last year I brought out the uh, the Guinness Zero, which had just come out. There's a lot more stuff that's come out since then. Everybody's jumping on on the bandwagon, whether it's Flying Dog has non-alcoholic out there. You know, almost every brewery. I, I saw the Coors. Uh, yep, the Coors, Coors one. I tried yeah. that one. It wasn't bad. Yeah, they um they have a bunch of them. So I'll I'll be throwing some of those out. But this is this is my tried and uh, true on the on the non-alcoholic front. So I'm enjoying it. What uh what are you having? I'm having the Lawn Games Hazy IPA from New Trail. New Trail is a Pennsylvania brewery. Six point nine percent. Nice. Uh, Sabro Crystal and Azaka hops. 
It's pretty tasty. It says it's got notes of coconut, pineapple, and rich orange. Some of that comes through. It's a very pale hazy. It's like one of those ones that's almost white, completely, mm-hmm. complete cloud. Can't see through it at all, but it's it's light. And with that lightness comes like a little bit more of a tartness, which yeah. isn't isn't my favorite, but outside on a hot day, this lawn games, you know, playing a little cornhole, cornholes on the can. Nice. Um, it would be very enjoyable. It's enjoyable now. I'm enjoying it. I like New Trail. New Trail makes good beers. They make awesome artwork for their cans. The Lawn Games, I would recommend it. So fall camp notes, Robbie. I think we should start where football starts, right? The quarterback. Yep. Pry said next week we should have a named starter. However, I think the writing's been on the wall for most of spring and summer. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I think um, it's going to be Wells. Uh, and I think that's pretty well certain. And um, Brown being the backup, uh, I, I, I don't think it's all that much of a surprise. I don't think they've really tried to hide it that much. Uh, and uh, I, the announcement, I think, is just more of a formality than anything mm-hmm. else at this point. Is is how I'm taking taking that. And uh, there's focus on on you know the rest of the spots and the rest of the team and where that's going to end up being honestly one thing i noticed i was kind of watching the spring game they've been playing all the spring games on acc network randomly and i saw ours was on so i tuned in for a little bit and i had kind of forgotten because the quarterbacks wear those jerseys where as soon as they're touched they're tackled but grant wells took off with the football a couple times Mm -hmm. and he moves very well it's not braxton burmeister but he can move and i they were kind of hinting that that would be the case. Like we may see some read option from him kind of, you know, legging it out to the side or whatever. And that's exciting. I I think that he has the ability to gain yardage in that way. And I think it might've been Glenn. I can't remember who it was said something about, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards a game is like what they want out of their quarterback, which I thought Mm -hmm. was kind of wild. Yeah. That's, I'd love that. I mean, especially with, wells and some of the concerns around his accuracy uh in the past if he feels less if he feels more comfortable kind of you know taking off with the ball if he has to if he can't find something that fits even then instead of forcing a pass he feels a little bit more mobile i always prefer that with a quarterback as so long as they're comfortable with it and so long as they can you know move adequately and potentially make somebody miss or, or at least be fast enough to get themselves in a good spot mm-hmm. um, and not take a massive hit. So uh, I'd, I'd enjoy that greatly if that ends up being the case when we uh, kick things off uh, here uh, not too long in, in actual games. The other thing that Glenn was saying is that he went back, looked at all of his tape from his marshal and days and the interceptions were obviously something that everyone was talking about. And Glenn was like, well, half of them were on him. But the other half, there was tip balls, there was bad routes, and I would, I would venture to say that most quarterbacks deal with that. Is yep. that not a hundred percent of their interceptions are on there? <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, he did throw a high number, so it's something we're all thinking about. What's working in Wells's favor at Tech is he won't be playing an air raid. Mm-hmm. We're going to be Joe Rudolph's our offensive line coach, right? Like we're going to be running the ball. Tyler Bowen wants to use a lot of two tight end sets. That's been something that's been talked about, whether that's for blocking or pass catching, that's helpful to your quarterback. We've got a one a and a one B running back as they're calling Holston and Malachi Thomas. And so you got that benefit. What looks like a run first offense. 
this could really help his efficiency numbers is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And it, all of that provides just more comfort in being in the pocket. And especially the the things like they, you mentioned, the tight ends. And if you feel like you have you know good tight ends and they can block well um, on the perimeter, that that's just going to add on top of what Rudolph is putting in. And we haven't even hit the offensive line and some of the comments that those guys have made about what they're learning and what they're doing in the trenches. So honestly... If there were instances, I have not gone back and watched all the tape um, like he has on on tip balls and all of those sorts of things, but I'd be hard-pressed to see a scenario where he's going to feel more pressure or on himself to either force throws or get pressure and make bad throws. Um, if, if, if anything, we'll get an answer of are there really accuracy issues or is it more mm-hmm. just either the scheme or, you know, pressure on the quarterback and things along those lines? Yeah. And does he just need to cut back on the risk taking just a little bit? Cause he, he's the kind of player like he's, he's got a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him. Like whatever it is, ba- that ba- Baker that's an old well. solid verbal joke. Yes. <laughs> a little bit of Baker Mayfield. Little bit of Baker. Um, just to finish out the running backs, they were obviously. I said the thing about Holston Malachi. They seem like our top two guys, and they said mm-hmm. Holston's been very consistent. I feel like we hear that about Holston every camp. Every is time. that like he's looking good this year? This is his year. Well, this is his sixth year, so mm-hmm. this is the year for Holston. But if he's gonna we, run, we said last year he was really consistent. Remember, we talked about that throughout yeah. the season. He was running hard. He was never going to do anything crazy. But if you needed somebody for four to five yards, you would always give it to Holston. No, I mean yeah. that. Or you should be giving it to Holston. Like he was pushing for extra yards. He could always dig up four, five, six, seven yards, even when there wasn't anything there. So he kind of delivered on that. He's just, he is not the sexy running back that, mm-hmm. like, you know, people, but <clears throat> listen, not everybody's the same. You need that, you need that guy that you can just rely on um, if you don't have a five star running back that's just going to, you know, blow the doors off people. Yeah, he's he's Josh Oglesby. Uh, yeah. We we had him on one of our podcasts. He we interviewed Josh. He, he's playing behind David Wilson and yes. Darren Evans and all those guys. But he was solid. Like he was a solid dude who could get you some yards and score some touchdowns. And that's Holston. Uh, I love Malachi's upside. He's put on a little bit more weight because uh, he was slight last year. That was the thing that worried you for a whole season of pounding. Could he take it? He's over 200 now. At least that's what he says. Uh, he's not listed at that, but that's what the word is, is that he's over 200. Um, but aside from those two, Black has been getting some attention. Chance Black, always been on Black. And then Keyshawn King, as Stu Holt put it, is looking very explosive. Yes. And it sounds like they're going to also put those guys in a position um, to catch some balls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's the hope because – as we'll soon discuss, there's a little bit of a depth issue at wide receiver once mm-hmm. you. So um, I think, <clears throat> and we've seen Keyshawn, um, you know, catch some balls uh, out there in the past, and yeah, I think he's done done well. He never looked totally comfortable with it. I think it was relatively new to him um, last year, but. Uh, I mean, that's that's another way to build some depth at a position that doesn't have much of it, quite honestly, beyond the beyond the starters. Yeah. Let's move to wide receiver. 
Price said he thinks they're making strides. And I think Mines, I've read Andy Bitter's article on Fontel Mines, our new wide receiver coach. He is Virginia to a T. And I don't mean UVA. He did go to UVA, but like he is like from Richmond, went to UVA, coached at ODU, coached at JMU. Like he knows every every coach in the state of Virginia. He knows Virginia like the back of his hand. That was really kind of a cool read. And Mines himself remarked how well the guys have physically been catching the ball. That sounds kind of weird to say the wide receivers are catching the ball well, but like that's a skill. Route running is a skill. There are all kinds of skills, but they actually are catching the ball better than he's he's seen just recently. And I think that from the beginning of spring to the end of spring, Chris Coleman said there was a huge improvement in the wide receivers and that now they're starting to look better again. The trio of Lofton, Wright, and Jones, the young guys, like they're still getting a lot of praise. Um, we've got veterans and Smith and Blue and Gosnell came in from from UNC, mm-hmm. and the new guy Holloway, the freshman, mm-hmm. he's very fast. And what my, the way Mines put it is, those seven guys I just named, the three young guys, the three vets, and Holloway, he referred to he has seven guys he feels comfortable with playing right now, which I was kind of shocked to hear that. That's incredible. I mean, he's he's almost at the the numbers that Fuente promised us for six <laughs> years that he would right, be at right. already. Um, I I will I, I I've been uh, bitten by that snake before in mm-hmm. taking somebody at their word with Fuente. So I'm going to withhold judgment on that commentary until I see it on the field. Um, we have spent far too many years with like two serviceable, no, I shouldn't say serviceable. We had two really good kind of wide receivers right. and that was it. That was, I mean, really that was the vast majority of our production. So I'm going to- It was to with, 75% gonna, yes. of our passing production was Turner and mm-hmm. Tavion. Yeah. So uh, I hope what he's saying is 100% true and accurate and shows up on the field, but I will withhold judgment and and hope for the best on that front. I do think that Smith is really poised to have a fantastic senior year. Like yeah. he, he just seems like he's a natural leader. He was on that ACC special they did talking to uh, to Eddie Royal, taking him through your buddy, taking him through yes. the locker room and everything. Um, but Smith, one, he got an upgrade in height. They mm-hmm. finally changed his height to six <laughs> four on Hokie Sports, so he's taller now. Hey, at least um, that'll change the matchups. You you scheme against somebody that's six four. It's a little true. Differently, so uh, if nothing else, maybe they're just playing with people's heads. But I, I like his potential for this year. Obviously, Blue has the ability. Mm-hmm. Um, they they like Blue a lot. I, we'll have to wait and see. We know that the trauma he went through after he got to the team. They said he he studies and works really hard, so I'm I'm excited about that. But Lofton is the one, like he was the MVP of the spring. Yep. He's the the young kid with the most hype. I know Jones has gotten hype, a lot of hype too, but Lofton's the guy that I really want to see emerge this year. I I'm excited about him. Yeah, I absolutely am. And I think I think it's going to be he has all the room to do it. I mean, he has to, to really, there's no real excuses at this point. Otherwise somebody, he, he has the talent and he has a wide open opportunity to be extremely productive in this offense. So um, we're going to find out quickly. As we transition in a tight end here, I, here's a question for you. What position on the team in terms of like one, two, three, four, 
where does Connor Blumrick rank at the end of the year in receiving yards? Because he's been working with the tight ends. He's been yes. working with the wideouts. Do you think he's going to be like one of the top targets on the team come in like third in yards? Or do you think it's just going to be like kind of a specialization package? Uh, that's a good question that I wasn't expecting. Um, cause I had, I literally verbatim in my notes have Blumrick is TBD is, 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 is it, that's, that's what I have written here. Well, let's, I, let's I, give it I this think way, it's right? going to be special situations. Okay. I know Blumrick's come out and said, Hey, I think QBs have like really great hands and stuff like that. And, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm a little bit skeptical. It's just yeah. is is I guess where I'm at because I guess for a couple reasons. The if he wasn't such a team guy, like if he wasn't such a like a glue factor for the overall team, then I might actually take it more um, legitimately because you know I don't know if the team if you know, he's getting smoke blown up his skirt or, or anything along those lines, or people just want to like, you know, keep him a part of the fold of what's going on in the team because he's kind of been that right. glue for a lot of situations and this, all the shit that went down last year. So that is the only reason that I'm a little bit hesitant. Not necessarily that anybody's like, you know, trying to you know lie about what, how much he's going to get used or those, what they're going to use him for, but more so that he is just so critical from, you know, a team morale standpoint and being a, he won a glue factory teammate of the spring, right? Like yes. that was his award that he won. So I, I expect them to use him, but like Gallo is a really good tight end. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to get a lot of reception. I mean, he might be the third highest receiver on the team yeah. when it's all said and done. Yeah. So where will Blumrick factor in? It's hard to say. And maybe he emerges and he becomes like a real target, but I would probably agree with you. It's probably going to be like 14 catches, you know, yeah. 160 yards on the year or something like that. Maybe like three touchdowns. Um, I could see him being used in the red zone because of his size and that kind of thing. And maybe in even handing them the ball. Like they, they said, he's just like, he's so versatile. He can do just about everything. He's played just about every offensive position. Yeah. So it, it'll be fascinating to see how they use him. But I love Gallo at tight end. Um, Delius, he's back for another year. I feel like he's been with the team forever. I was uh, about to look been, up the stats yeah. because that remind when I saw Delius's name of who got more targets, I think Delius, I'm looking right now, so Gallo last year had 18 targets. This is just from Burmeister. I don't know if it's all of it. And mm-hmm. Julius last year um, had eight targets. So that was the differential last year. So they got, you know, combined between them, they got, you know, 26 or so targets, which isn't, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's not for shy. our I mean, offense. Think, that was yeah. kind of a decent chunk because we didn't pass the ball that much. Yeah. But, I feel comfortable with where we're at with tight end and the way they've been talking about the young guys, St. Germain, Benji Gosnell, Daquan Wright. Like, I, I feel like I keep seeing Wright's name. Like, it keeps yes. popping up um, as a guy who's kind of working at multiple positions and just, like, doing well in camp. So we'll see how that goes. But I think the future of the tight end position is in a good spot. And even for this year, I think it's in a good spot. Linebacker is something I really wanted to talk about because of that video of Pry working with the linebackers from last week that went hokey Twitter viral, so to speak. Like everyone saw it. Everyone was talking about how fired up he looked and it was refreshing to see like our coach, like in a drill, like calling guys out. It was awesome. Everyone seemed to really enjoy it. And 
you look at that position and everything I've been reading says Jenkins is the linebacker that he's most comfortable with. And that's our, that's our Sam linebacker, right? Like Jenkins is playing Sam. Like that's weird. You have Dax, you have Tisdale Mm -hmm. and Jenkins looks like the lead linebacker in terms of the coach's comfort. Yeah. He's been getting, it's not just been on one occasion or during media, you know, one media session or something. It's come up multiple times uh, about how much hype people have had around him. And that's a strange development, I guess is the best way to put it. But I mean, you look at, it could make sense. Cause if you look at, you know, what some of the commentary is about like Dax and having to um, change his weight a little bit and what's going on on that front. So maybe there's something, something there. Tisdale's always been a little bit of a black box to me and in, in terms of how <laughs> yeah. he fits in. Um, and then Dax, you have this commentary of him trying to cut some weight and not being able to, you know, I guess he's a nutrition major and not trying to, um, you know, eat as much and get things down to be a little bit more mobile. And maybe that led to a lot of the things that we always talked about him being a little bit out of position and just not being able to catch up, um, to get back into position if he makes a wrong move or a misstep. So, um, maybe, maybe it holds water in terms of what Jenkins is going to do on the field or, or, or what the lineup's going to be in terms of starters. And Tisdale's problem is kind of twofold. One, he never really quite like broke through. And two, he's got this kid, Jaden Keller, like right on his heels. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been talking, Jack Tyler, before he left, he was like, this kid's going to be a star. As soon as the new staff gets here, the praise comes rolling in. He like the way this is going Keller's going to be the starter at Will Linebacker. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be game one, but it's going to be at some point very soon. Keller's going to be starting probably next to Dax at Mike and Jenkins at Sam. I do think Dax will be the starter, but Artis and Dean Ferguson, like there's a competition going on there. And if Dax doesn't get his weight down, mm-hmm. that that's going to be, pro- and Dax has always been 240, 245, 250. Like that's really heavy for a college linebacker like especially one of Dax's height like it's it's too heavy he can't he can't move well enough um and he knows that and he's talked about it and he's trying to slim down so hopefully he gets himself in shape before the season starts and he'll be our starter in the middle um love the Jenkins and Keller potential though it's Mm -hmm. it's really exciting going forward we have not had strong linebacker play across the board in a very long time and it it, that's kind of how our defense goes, right? By the quality of the linebackers. Yeah, it's been spotty. So we've had um, we've had you know one player show up. It's like always like there's been one guy that's been you know really good, and it's never been throughout the whole season. It's been stretches mm-hmm. of like six, seven games, getting some nods for ACC Player of the Week, and then it would kind of fall off. Um, so um, I agree that, and that's probably because in order to sustain recognition at a position like that the whole unit has to be good you just have to be the you just have to be the best right Right. in that unit um and um and i think that goes across all three levels you know and and being confident with the guys around you so lawson is also at sam and kelly lawson is a guy that they said looks significantly bigger than last year he's up about 12 pounds and they list him at 6'6". So he's kind of like our Tremaine Edmonds. He probably needs a little bit more weight if he's got a frame that big. But uh, he's working at Sam. And then Jenkins, Walker, and Lawson there are also kind of like touching on Will as well. So they're kind of – they're they're probably really trying to figure this out. You can kind of tell linebackers are 
a passion of his. I know the entire defense is, but you're talking about the guy that recruited and coached Micah Parsons. So yes. this is this is his this is his position here, and you saw as much in that clip. Um, and Connor, Chamar Connor, is also working. I think a little at Sam as well as he kind of he played whip. So that's the closest thing to Sam um, in a pinch. I think he's anticipating depth problems, right? Yes. Like they're, we're going to lose guys. So he's kind of working guys all over the place with, with regard to the linebackers. DB, I was happy to hear Dorian Strong, who's someone I've been high on since his freshman year. It looks like our number one corner. He's going to play the field side, and he was, quote-unquote, making every play in practice, or a play every practice, I should say. So it's about that number two spot. Is it going to be Chapman or mm-hmm. Murray? Um, and then a little bit of the depth issues behind that, we start to you know roll down a hill. But I feel comfortable with a lot of the starters at our DB unit. Yeah, and Shamari Connor. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. That's probably I'm going across. That's probably our deepest position on on the whole team. I think in terms as of, far as starts go, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's uh, you got a lot of people um, that have been in there for. For quite a while, so I don't I don't have much concern there, especially. Um, no, I think I feel pretty good about the DB position. I think um, I'm a little bit. I'll be interested to see what ha- happens with linebacker, but Priya has always has already said that he's going to be all over the defense this year um, and very very hands on. So I feel okay about those. Um, I feel great about kind of DB. I feel okay that they'll figure things out with linebacker, and I like the competition that's coming up there. Um, and then the DL is really kind of more of a depth situation that I'm worried about. Well, did you hear what Price said? It was either today or yesterday about he feels good about the depth of defensive end. That was like one of the most shocking things. That's like both of us have been complaining about the depth of defensive end for two years, three years now. Yeah. Uh, we felt, we feel okay about DT, but as far as the ends go, we had Garbit, and we had a bunch of guys who had kind of played, but no one that had really proven anything on the field, but they're saying that Griffin yeah. Cole Nelson has been talked about a ton and McCray have really flashed. I'm using air quotes. Uh, in fall camp and spring and along with Garbutt, those are our top four DLs. And Price said like, that's, that's solid depth. It's one of the deeper, that's as far awesome. as a two deep goes, he feels really good about it mm-hmm. going into the season, which, Hey, if the coach feels good about it, I feel good about it. Yes. And I don't think he has any, especially during your, here's, I mean, we will learn what Pry is all about over the coming years. But in your first year, you get no brownie points for saying that kind of stuff and then not having it show up on the field. Do you know what I mean? Especially not on the defensive side. It's a different thing if it's like, hey, he's a defensive-minded coach and he said some stuff about the offense and it didn't really come to fruition. But for him to come out and talk about the defense, I feel like I got to take that as gospel because he knows the fan base is going to just latch on to whatever he's saying about that. And he has, he is in the position to evaluate and provide commentary on that. That should be accurate and result to what's going to be seen on the field. I know. And that's why it's, it's really exciting. I mean, he coached great defenses at Penn state. He knows what top notch defensive ends and linebackers look like. So for him to say something like that, it's, it's nice. Now it needs to come 
like you said, needs to come to fruition. But you got J.C. Price as the DL coach who was the head coach last year. You got the new head coach praising him. It's it's just nice to have that. Those are vet, those are two of our most veteran coaches, the head coach mm-hmm. and J.C. Price. And they're both like at that talking about that position and one coaches that position. Um, that would be really, really nice if we had a surprise with production at the defensive end position. Because if we get production there, everything becomes easier behind them. With the linebackers, with the DBs, everything starts on the line. So if Nelson and Garbett end up being killers and they can actually get to eight, nine sacks this year, mm-hmm. then we're going to be a very, very good defense. And we have so many vets. Um, Pry really, like, being a defensive guy, he walked into a situation which couldn't have really been better for him than, like, just to see all these veterans. Like, you're talking about a rebuild at tech, a rebuild, but that defense has a lot of experience on it, like a ton of experience. So it's kind of the best rebuild as far as defensive wise, he could have asked for. I noticed that, uh, Penne had really put on some weight. I almost thought he was playing defensive tackle. He's at two eighty six Now Wilfred Penne, the kid from France. Yeah. McCray added up to like two thirty seven. It says, so he put on 16 pounds. I, I mentioned the love for Cole Nelson. Um, Price called him the smartest guy in the room, and then Price called McCray the best athlete in the room. So they all have their strengths, like and it. it's it's cool to hear that. Let's move to offensive line. This is going to be kind of our last position before we talk very briefly about the specialists, but bringing in Joe Rudolph was the best possible thing we could have done for this offensive line who lost a bunch of talent. Um, it looks like Chansey's going to be our left tackle, and – while that's nice from a experience standpoint, I've never been super confident in his lateral movement ability. Yes, that's been a concern. And you you I think you talked about that last year and it's it's that is not a um And he was playing right tackle last year. Yes. Yeah. So he yeah but within the hands of Rudolph all of this is with the context of Rudolph being at the helm now and what mm-hmm. he brings and the immense amount of experience and uh, what he's developed and what he has developed in the past, including getting guys, you know, guys that probably um, were under either accurately or under recruited into the NFL. So um, I'm a little bit worried about it, but I do like when they were, you know, his commentary, about how much he's learned. I think he was the one that came out and said, you know, don't mean to, I forget how he worded it, but he was like, yeah, I'm not trying to be, um, upgrade. Yeah. It was an upgrade and not trying to be, um, rude to the, you know, the past staff, but the amount that we're like learning is, you know, through the, through the roof in comparison to what we had previously. And that's why I'm very encouraged because Jesse Hansen said something like that. Mm -hmm. And then Silas said something like that. And Silas has the experience. I mean, 17 starts at right tackle, two at right guard, two at left guard, one at left tackle. Like he is, he's played all across the line. He's, he's a man. I mean, like he's, he's played like six years. Like he went to prep school and then he's played at least five years (laughs) in tech. So like he's old. Yeah. Um, And hopefully he's moving really well and he can protect the left side there. Johnny Dixon, uh, one of the younger guys, he's working at center. Uh, These are just some notes I had random stuff. Bone and Pry both raved about Braylon Moore. And that was that was cool because his brother, Caden Moore, is already our starting right guard. Yep. But the way they're making it sound is that 
Jesse Hansen's spot at left guard is not locked and loaded. Yeah. Like Moore is whether they whether he starts over Hansen, I don't know, but it sounds like he's going to be playing a lot, getting a lot of reps. So we could have two brothers on the line. Is that yes. what that could be? That's what I'm hinting at. That's what uh, that would be. Um, that'd be interesting. Uh, at least you know they'll be fighting for each other in the trenches. Hopefully they're That's not right. fighting each other. Um, <laughs> which um, hopefully the siblings get along. So yes, they'll have a center in between. But yeah, well, it looks like Silas at left right now. It's Hanson. Could be uh, could be more. Johnny Jordan at center. Caden at right guard, and then Parker Clements over on the right. Mm-hmm. The depth at tackle is really the concern, right? So after that, who do you think's playing tackle? Do you, do you, could you say off the top of your head? I think, I think you are, I think maybe, (laughs) maybe we're duct taping you and me together and maybe a third person and put, get a big trench coat. Yeah. Just double stack. Now it's Bob Schick is backing up over at left tackle right now and Johnny Garrett. But I think all those positions are fluid. Like Mm -hmm. anyone who's playing tackle will be called on in a pinch to play either side if there's any kind of injury, but it's Schick and Garrett and maybe Brody Meadows, maybe Chaplin, one of the freshmen, but the freshmen have been getting a little bit of love. Uh, that was Garrett Meadows and Chaplin, and then Jack Hollifield. He's mm-hmm. an inside guy, and he's he's Dax's brother, but he is up to three hundred pounds yeah. from two seventy last year. So yeah, tight end to offensive line. You don't see that every day. So uh, that's yeah, imagine a- Jack and Dax going to dinner together, <laughs> and the one the one guy's got you know three pounds of food piled high, and Dax has like. You know, a sprig of uh, of spinach on his, on his yeah. plate. <laughs> Little do we know when Dax was talking about being jealous of, you know, other people eating and how he can't. He's really just talking about Jack just yeah, housing Yeah, he's talking food. about his brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, over the summer, and uh, it's pissing him off. All right, so at kick returner, we're done with O-line. I, I should just say the backstop of having Joe, Ro- Joe Rudolph is the ultimate, like, trump card when it comes to any of these decisions or my concerns. Depth is obviously a concern. We know that. We know that if we take on an injury or two at offensive line, it's going to be a struggle bus. However, the coaching that they're getting is so much better. I love. I like Vance Weiss. Great recruiter. He always liked to mix it up with his guys. But Joe Rudolph's just better. He just is. Like yeah. his track record is far better. So his track record that- is one of the best in the country. I mean, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't hard. know if Weiss even has a job right now. Yeah. So there, there you go. Yeah. Um, Kick returner, Keyshawn King and Chance Black are the top guys. And then I think behind them is Beck and Holston. Punt return was Harvey and Lofton. So that's kind of exciting to see those younger guys get a shot to return punts. And then the kicking competition, John Love has has taken a backseat to Will Ross right now, it seems like that. you Will Ross is that guy from South Carolina mm-hmm. that transferred in. So we got a quarterback from South Carolina and we got a kicker. All the guys that score points, uh, they came over from Beamer's team. <laughs> hey, yeah, Shane's pissed off, but we, uh, we'll take it. So, or maybe he's sent them our way. So uh, he's, try, he's trying <laughs> and, to help. He's trying to help us out. And then at punter, of course, we have Peter Moore, who should put in another solid year punting mm-hmm. the football. We're going to need him. We're going to need that weapon. He's got to be preseason for some award. He did. He had a pretty good year last year. So I think uh, we got to get Yeah, he had a great, he had a great year. If I we, think he's the only one that made mm-hmm. all ACC selection yeah. on one of the teams. So. I, listen, if we can get a good punt, uh, punt year in, then, and, you know, that alleviates many struggles. All right. I think that's a, about it. I don't want to go too far into like what to expect from the defense this year. What are we looking for? Cause we, we're going to have time to do that down the road. And then, of course, 
our schedule evaluation and, and win totals. I, I've been staunch on a number for, for my win totals, but we'll see if it changes in the next couple of weeks. I'm trying not to, to fall victim. Last year, I didn't fall victim. Yeah. I said it was six and six, and guess what? We you, went six and six. You held firm. <laughs> I, I stay because this is the toughest time of year, man. And we we've been through enough of these that we we know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still so hard to hold back when the when the win totals come up. Yeah. I feel like you know a good six years of just getting absolutely like burned. I think um, <laughs> it's got me. It's got me laying the conservative side on on most everything. I think I feel like it's it's got everybody. Most everybody, I should say, um, doing that. It's just, you know, it's... Um, I, th- I think a lot of people are now with a new coach. They're comfortable with skewing the other way. Yes. So pe- a lot of people out there are just like, I'm happy if we get to a bowl, happy if we get to a bowl. It's like, no, you won't be. <laughs> like, <laughs> Once we lose our sixth game, are you going to be happy? No. Yeah. But they're doing that as a defense mechanism, yeah. and I get it. Well, <laughs> like, it's also it. the safety. You know, what? it's like, um, I'll equate it to if you, I don't know if, you like to invest, whether you're in the stock market or, you know, I, I trade crypto and stocks, all that kind of stuff now. And I'll get into like communities of like people when I'm learning about a project or whatever I'm doing. And when you like first invest in something and it like takes a loss or something like that, you can like eat it and feel fine about it. It's when you're like two or three years into an investment and it's like, then it like goes down and like, you know, somebody comes in, they're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And you're like, you know, shut the, it is that big of a deal. <laughs> like, it's like, so if, if, you know, you can err on the side because we haven't, we haven't invested in exactly. pry all that much. Exactly. At this we're, point. we're willing to give him a, a free season here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are, and, mm-hmm. and I am too, to an extent. But when I look at the talent on this team, the, the depth of experience that exists on both sides of the balls in some way, um, this, and and the schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a winnable schedule to get six, seven wins. Like I, it, it's so. No, do I think we're winning the coastal? I don't. Yeah. Do I think it's possible? Sure. If you get to eight and four in the coastal, like who knows what the hell could happen? Yep. So, we'll we'll see. But I'm uh, I'm so juiced up, man. I I can't wait for the season to get going. And we will be doing some. I know you're going to Disney while you're away next week. I may record something i i, I gotta talk to you about that or like having yep. some ideas for what i might do while you're gone um and then we'll do our season preview uh odu preview that's coming up on the second like mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna start going man i it's, might do is... it live from the teacups or maybe dumbo or something <laughs> i like lines. that idea. so uh but but we'll see either way it's it's coming quick it's gonna be awesome i'm excited um, to kick off uh, things with that that uh, away game at ODU, so uh, yeah. which which should be fantastic. Um, but oh, I remembered what I wanted to say. Do you, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, you go something? ahead. Um, I just wanted to say to like all the other podcasts, the Hokey podcasts out there, you've been keeping me sane this summer because while we've been taking a break, I am listening. I know the Boundary Corner just did that like nine person panel last night with like tons of tons of people. I listened to some of that today. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, Sons of Saturday, they had Wit on. They had Pry on. TSL had Pry on. Like the hokey content community, uh, which we like to be a part of, is is so it's just blowing me away. Like the amount of stuff. Like, do you remember Robbie 2014 before we started our podcast? There was nothing. It was a dearth. You would go out, you'd look on the internet, you could go to Gobbler Country, which mm-hmm. 
Ryan would run. And I, that's the only information I get prior to like Boise state and stuff in 2010. That's the only place that would have an, an article. Yeah. Right. And a couple years later, we got the key play that gave us some content, uh, but there was still no podcast. You had hokey huddle. They were kind of doing their thing for a little bit, but that was like early podcasting days. Not that many people like knew about it or were listening. I listened here and there. Um, was that but the one? Now, it was is that the one with crazy. the dude that was stoned every episode? What was the one that like before <laughs> yeah. that gave me the idea of you and I doing the podcast? Somebody put a podcast out. They did like two seasons of it. I gotta go back and look. It's still Hokey Huddle was one of the first ones. I don't know. Like I know Sean Glennon had his for a minute with Corey Holt. Yeah, but that can't, um, that even started after after we started. This was yeah. this was the only podcast that ever existed that I could find on on Virginia Tech football, and it was like, they, who knows? They could listen to this and they could hit us up at this point. But I swear to you, one of the dudes sounded like he was stoned out of his mind. Like every episode, it made me laugh every single time. But it was the only I, podcast, and that's when I got the I, I hit you up, and I was like, dude, I we got to get a podcast going because there's nothing out there. Um, but as an aside to that, it's it's um, it's a great point and brings up something. So I was talking to my buddy that's with the major uh, gifts uh, at Virginia Tech, and he was he. He um he hit me up last week. We chatted on the phone for a little bit, just about the team, how it's going, um the you know the the kickoff for practice. Um, he probably gave a speech to like all the staff, the recruiting folks, every, kind of everybody. He said it was amazing, but um, he mentioned specifically, have you noticed um, about the media availability? Like, have you been you know checking that out? And I said it's been pretty incredible. Just the the, the increased access to the coaches, the coaches making a push to go out and do things like podcast interviews or, you know, make themselves available. So um, he said it's an active, it's an active effort on the part of the program to, you know, really try and um, right what I would call the wrongs of, you know, the prior um, regime, if you will, and what they did to shut down a lot of the access that a lot of fans wanted and a lot of the media needed to put out anything that was substantive and, and interesting to, to listeners or readers and whatever you, you, you may. When I was watching that ACC road trip thing, I, the first, sadly, the first thing I was thinking was like, if one day was still our coach would like Mark Packer and, and Riggs, like, would they be on our campus? Would like, <laughs> Would Fuente have sat down for the name? Because the first part of the show was Pry sitting with them on the practice field having an interview. Yep. And like, and then Grant Wells coming up and doing an interview. Yep. And it's like, would that have ever happened under Fuente? I, I really don't think so. Like, yeah. I really don't. But like, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. But like, it was just so refreshing. That that show was great. I mean, it's it's not perfect. It was campy and all that stuff. But like, yeah. it was awesome. Like, it was fantastic to see, see Eddie Royal back at his alma mater working – alma mater working for them uh very cool but whether it's mike mcdaniel or d cunna or uh the guys from boundary corner sons of saturday i'm i'm leaving people out but there, dwight vick there are so many people doing work the tsl guys about virginia tech football and is the golden age of content in every aspect, but particularly in Virginia Tech football, you want to learn anything. Matei like all these guys are are working and they're they're giving you the content, which is just unprecedented. These kids today, Robbie, they have no idea how good they have it with all this hooky football content. <laughs> yeah. Try try making up a depth chart like ten years ago and took like you know impossible. Yeah. Absolutely impossible. Yeah. Anyway. 
You had to you had to go to remember Beamerball.com? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. There was so It was like GeoCities website. <laughs> <laughs> it was so janky. Yeah. Checking out They'd list like the 40 times up there. Everyone ran like a 415. <laughs> <laughs> it was like exact same times. They varied them by like a point, like 0.01 each to make it look like real data. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, oh man, those were the days. Anyway. All right. That's going to do it for the podcast. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Send us your beer nominations for your 2022 Hokies Beer of the Year. Um, it's at 2DVT on Twitter on Instagram, 2DVT at gmail.com. If you have any questions or something you want to send us and then find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And until next time, when we will be really starting to preview this season, go Hokies. Hokies.